Hello and welcome to another episode of the Barefoot Mediator podcast, news and views from Jane Gunn and guests. In this episode, I speak with Andy Laparta, who is the author of five books on networking and professional relationships and a world-renowned professional speaker. So welcome, Andy Laparta. Thank you, Jane. Thanks for inviting me on. So here we are, Andy, we're speaking in June 2021, just so people have a benchmark for what we're speaking about. And, you know, we've had an extraordinary year uh, this last year and a half almost now. And I wanted to talk to you about your expertise in the area of professional relationships and and actually another thing which I think is entirely relevant right now, vulnerability. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think vulnerability is always been important and has been something that's come to the fore over the last decade or so but the last year has really brought into perspective i mean both things you touched on there um the last year has really brought into perspective the importance of having strong professional relationships around us the difficulties we face when suddenly we can't get to see people easily when we don't have those small throwaway conversations uh, at the beginning and end of meetings or around the office or wherever it might be uh, and also the importance of empathy and understanding what people are going through and being able to share with people yeah so take us back a little step Andy before we dive into that you know where where does your passion for this topic of of relationships and and what I'd say connectivity come from by accident (laughs) so 21 22 years ago my dad asked me to help out in a new business that he'd set up which was uh networking groups at the time there were four and i just took to it like a a duck to water it was just natural for me i'd never heard the term networking before he set up the groups uh with his business partner um but i'd been doing it you know i'd I'd been always building strong relationships in whichever job i'd i'd had Uh, and and this became natural to me so it was meant to be part-time it was meant to be to help out while I was going to become a freelance writer at the time Uh, but it became just a natural place for me and I grew from from within that so yes by a complete and utter accident as as for all the best people I I love it (laughs) when you when you have somebody who's an astronaut and they say but I thought I was going to be a surgeon or something (laughs) there you go um so and then it's developed and and you've obviously developed a sort of passion for looking at you know how then do we use those professional connections those networks and so on in our work you know to the to to optimize i suppose you know who we are and what we are many of us and many of the people listening to this podcast will either be at what we might call solopreneurs they're working on their own or indeed in the last year they're now working in a more isolated fashion in any event so you know how how do you, how do we use your experience in the in these kind of relationships andy i i think at the moment you know you, you open up by talking about the current uh scenario or over the last year mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're a solopreneur or you work for a multinational company you may well still find yourself isolated working from home. Yes. Uh, so I, I think the support and advice in that space is relevant, you know, whatever the size of the business is that you work for. I, I think if I was to give one piece of advice, the top tip would be don't fall into the trap of just being uh, caught on a transactional agenda 
day by day by day zoom call after teams call after webex call uh which is purely focused on business no time out of it no time for more relaxed conversations when you work in an office with other people you get a cup of tea and you have a conversation while you're boiling the kettle you go and grab lunch you chat to someone as you walk past their desk when i was working with the bbc a number of years ago um they when they were building their new offices in manchester there was talk that they were taking away waste bins by people's desks so that they would have to get up and walk somewhere yeah um to to, to, to just create those conversations um we don't have that opportunity you know if if, if you're working from home the only people you're likely to talk to and your way to throw your rubbish in the bin in the kitchen are your husband or wife or the kids. Um, so it's not quite the same thing. So create that space for relationship focused, relaxed, non-transactional conversation. When I first got into networking, I read the books um, written by Dr. Ivan Meisner, who founded BNI and who I've gone on to, to collaborate with on a couple of projects. And Ivan, um, talked about the cave dweller mentality mm. and i remember reading that he said we we get up in our um our home cave uh we get dressed we get into our car cave we drive to our work cave we finish our day's work we get into our car cave and then we we get go back to our home cave we're now or if you know even before the pandemic if you're a solopreneur or, or a small business owner in many cases you don't even get in the car cave I mean, even when I ran the last business and we had five, six staff, I was working from home more than from the office by the end because after going to breakfast meetings every day, that's where I could get some uninterrupted focused atten uh, attention on my work. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy to, to get lost in that cave dweller mentality, which is how Ivan described it. Uh, and that's what we've got to break away from. The term that comes to mind uh, as you're speaking, Andy, is riff. You know, we're not riffing with each other. Do you know what I yeah, mean? And that yeah. is, you know, that is where a lot of the enjoyment from work comes from. That's why we like being in the office. We like going to meetings. You know, none of it is scripted. It's all ad hoc and, and fun. Uh, and then, you know, this idea of being in a cave seems rather dark and gloomy, doesn't it? So... <laughs> what 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 do you suggest what should we be doing more of to get us out of this it's a mindset as much as anything isn't it it, it is um i ran um I, I ran a poll in a number of presentations that i've given over the last few months where i've asked people two related questions are you having more transactional conversations than normal uh, more or less and are you having more or less relational conversations than normal mm. um, after an interesting first poll where both were higher transactional and relational almost every poll since it's more transactional fewer relational conversations yeah. so what i perceive is happening is people are going on to teams or zoom at the, the appointed hour and they're going straight into the agenda. There's everyone here. There's a little bit of small talk, but it's much harder. You know, if, if I go into a meeting with 12 people, while everyone's getting their tea and coffee, I'll talk to one or two. You can't do that on a Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting without breakout rooms. Mm. So one person dominates the conversation as the numbers grow, then you're into it. Mm. So we've lost that relational chat at the beginning and end of meetings. 
So we need to find ways to to reintroduce that. If you're running those meetings, and, and you know, you, you're a fellow of the Professional Speaking Association, I'm the president of the fellows community. Mm. Uh, on the fellows uh, forums, one of the things I've done in the last two or three, so I don't know if you've been along to those, is we start an hour early right. uh, and it's networking time. So I'm sat there, the first person comes in, I chat to them, the second I chat to them, the third I chat to them. By the time I'm at five or six, I open a breakout room. Okay. Then the next few come in, I put them in a breakout room. And then as people yeah. come in, I put them into breakout rooms. Yes. So there's nev never more than four or five at the start of that meeting. And that's just chat. Mm. And we do the same after lunch. So what you're doing is creating space for just conversation. The, the, the latter one, people can book one-to-one. -one. So they say, I particularly want to talk to this person. Yeah. But that's not that's not compulsory and actually most people just leave it to random and they'll have a conversation so there's i do that as someone who's very conscious of this challenge uh, and it is a formal networking event i suppose although most of it's focused around an agenda but there's nothing stopping business owner doing that uh even on if you're getting a few clients together or whatever it might be let's create some space for, for chat you could do it less formally than that as well and actually, one of the biggest pieces of advice I've been giving, giving in the last few months is to people to pick up the phone. Because when we're on video conferencing, we can't make eye contact. Mm. So I'm making eye contact with you at the moment, or it will feel that way to you. And I know this is on audio, so I'm asking people to imagine this. But for you, Jane, I'm, I'm looking at my camera. And okay. by looking at my camera, I'm making eye contact. But if I turn and look at your face, so that's eye contact for me, suddenly I'm looking away. And that's energy sapping for both parties. Mm. Pick up the phone. If you can't make eye contact anyway, and actually not something I practice a lot, but it's probably easy to make direct eye-to-eye -eye contact using technology on a phone, using, say, on, on Apple FaceTime or WhatsApp video call or whatever it might be than it is on a computer because your screen is so much smaller, your camera and your vision are pretty much in the same place, which you don't tend to have on a computer. So uh, yeah, find ways just to have a more relaxed conversation. This, you know, we're, as you say, we're recording this at the, uh, in the second week of June. It's been a blazing hot weekend. It's boiling today i've just closed my window to cut out all the noise of my door i'm already I feel like i'm in a sauna um, <laughs> maybe my next call i should do it on the phone and go for a walk do you know i was just going to say that because i've started saying and i did this last week uh why don't we just so i've got a, a national trust meadow just over the mm, road from me lovely and so I, I walked in the meadow, uh, sat on a bench, spoke to someone for an hour, and you know what could be better? Actually, yeah. I'm sure it transformed the conversation. And I think why, you know, why not do? You could even do a video call if you want to while you're walking along. But you don't, as you say, we don't need these videos yeah. all the time. We don't need to be. And actually, you know, I know I can cut myself off the screen, but it is very distracting to be seeing either your own face, which is unusual and not normal. We don't look in the mirror when we're talking to people all the time uh, or to see a sea of faces. You know, we usually in close proximity to one or two people and the rest are in the background. So we've created a very unnatural environment, haven't we, in which we're trying to communicate and, and struggling, I think, as human beings who try and read body language and, you know, make eye contact with each other. We kind of like, oh, well, how do I do that? Where are you? I can't see you. <laughs> 
and, and yet when we speak on the phone you don't think about that no no but it's you like relax and, and you you said you transform the conversation it's because you're relaxed it's more natural for you yeah. so it, it's quite funny all this new technology maybe the older technology is better for us i think so and it depends where people are in the world and it depends what the regulations are at the time and also it depends on geography but if you're close to someone go out for a walk with them yes i'm doing so, that so there's all those options are, are available to us and it's just a question of just thinking about it because going back to, to the where i started the answer mm. uh, where we're just sitting at our desks and going right what's next on my agenda we're not diarying relationship conversations we only diary transactional conversations mm. maybe we need to diary some relationship ones yeah i think we should do because if i think about my diary before lockdown it was very much lots of coffee at lunch you know <laughs> people think i'm a uh you know a party goer but that that is how you build professional relationships yeah. you take the time to have coffee and lunch with people uh and we're not doing that of course so but i have started you know i've been doing picnics and walks with people it's really nice actually yeah. and out of that comes who knows what you know it, it's not always about being transactional as you say it is about building the relationship not worrying so much about the transaction absolutely so Andy, let's let's talk a little bit then about vulnerability because i think you know for for many people it's a term that's become much more acceptable i think over the last few years but it's something that in terms of business and particularly in terms of leadership was quite taboo it had quite a stigma attached to showing your vulnerability and yet now you and others are encouraging us to be more vulnerable you know tell, tell me a little bit where that thinking some comes from well actually you know i mentioned the professional speaking association earlier that's where the thinking comes from mm. uh so it must be going back i'd say probably about seven years and my business was struggling and it was struggling pretty badly i think we got within 400 pound of our overdraft limit before a couple of very big um clients came along and placed big bookings that saved us mm -hmm. and i was at the time i was going to a lot of psa regional meetings and at the beginning of those meetings you recognize it everyone walks around how are you how's business and i gave the same answer everyone gives irrespective of where their business is it's great or it's fine. I can't remember exactly, but I didn't tell the truth. Mm. And I was at one of the meetings. It was in uh, Reading, our Thames Valley region. And the workshop speaker, someone you'll know well, Stephen Houghton Burnett, mm -hmm. uh, gave everyone a, a questionnaire to fill in before he started the workshop. And so I sat there answering these questions just to myself. And there were two on there that were pretty much the same, just a slight twist. And they were, how would you describe your speaking business and how would you describe your non-speaking business? And there were four options, growing, stable, new, or in decline. And so I ticked each and, and mm. carried on through the questionnaire. Mm. And then Stephen opened up the workshop and he started going through the questions and he asked how people had answered. And when he got to those two questions, he asked for people to put their hand in the air how they, as he went through the options. And he, he said, how many of you said you're have said your business is growing and hands went up how many of you have said your business is stable and hands went up how many of you have said your business is new hands went up how many people have said your business is in decline and nobody's hand went up mm. including mm. mine mm. and that was when the penny dropped mm. and you know i mentioned you're you're a psa fellow as well uh 
this is our tribe. We, we've both formed some very strong friendships through membership of the PSA. I've been a member for 18 years. I think you've been a member probably of a similar amount of time. Yeah. Uh, some, some very strong friendships, some very strong relationships. And even where they haven't turned into friendships, there's a lot of trusted relationships. And I consider myself to be quite an open person. And yet I was lying. Mm. And, and I thought to myself, well, if I'm lying to this community, where would I open up? And if I'm lying to this community, what about everyone else? And so I made a commitment to myself that I would turn the business around with the help of other people and then speak at the annual convention when I had the happy ending, because we all like that, the happy ending. And I did that in 2016 from a position of having been through it and come out at the other end, which was important. And I, I urged everyone to open up to each other, and, and it was amazing, the response. I had, I remember a member of one region, I think it was the Northwest, who forwarded me an email that he'd received from a fellow member that had gone to everyone in his region saying, following Andy's talk, I need to share where I'm at with you. Mm. And I heard that three, four, five times mm. just from that weekend. So that was when I realised that there was more to do there. And I delivered that talk to PayPal in Europe a couple of times, but I realised that I wanted to understand it better. It's It was a bigger topic than just sharing my journey. So the, <laughs> what better way of learning about a topic and going deeper than to write a book, which, which is what I did over the next few years. And I just want to share one other thing from that journey that I think really clarifies why this is so important. And, and they're by the way, there are a number of reasons why this is so important. And there's some very emotional uh, and deep reasons which are in the book and they're in my talk on the topic. But actually, I'm going to go for one of the, the smaller things that happened. And that was a few weeks after I had recognised what I needed to do. I was in a private members club in central London. And I bumped into another fellow PSA member, Derry Llewellyn Davis. Oh, yes. And uh, Derry said, how's business? And I stopped myself. And I said, actually, it's pretty rubbish at the moment. Mm. And his whole demeanor changed. And he, he said, let's talk. We found a table. And he said, what can I do to help? Mm. I got two referrals in the next two weeks from Derry. Mm. Now, the interesting thing is he'd never referred me before. Mm. And I said that to him sometime later. I asked him about it. He said, I never thought you needed help. You always look so successful. Mm. So all this time we're presenting this, this, this powerful, successful image to other people. Every time we say, yeah, business is great or I'm great, I'm fine, we're stopping people from helping us. Yeah. So that's really where that came from. And, Andy, I still remember that talk that you gave. I remember that talk, that keynote talk that you gave particularly because – I think it was very powerful. I could sense that for many people, it was very relevant. And we all of us go through ups and downs. I mean, that is life. And that is, you know, particularly at the moment. And if we don't ask for help, which I know is your mantra, how does anybody know? You know, we're very good at putting masks on, aren't we? We're very good at putting masks on and smiling and saying everything's fine when it's not. And and I guess, you know, those two things connect really, don't they? You know, this ability to build relationships in which you feel safe enables you to tell the truth, to be vulnerable. If you haven't built those relationships and they're only transactional, you're never going to do 
the other thing, which is be a bit more open and honest with people and enable them to help you. So I guess you, there's a real connection between those two. There is. I, 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 and I was very careful about that because I'm a great believer in having something you are known for so that people understand how to position you and how to recognize opportunities for you and how you can help them, whatever it might be. And when I went on this journey, I did have that brief thought of, is this too far away from my core topic? And then I was, it's not at all. It is my core topic. And I've been speaking about mentoring and masterminding for years. Mm. And, and that's all very closely related to this topic of asking for help. That's the formal element of it. And actually, when I was, I was asked a few years ago to give a talk on how to, how to find a mentor for HSBC in Asia. And half of the talk was about building a network so that you were surrounded by mentors. Only half the talk was about formal mentoring. Yes. The rest was about having a network who could all be mentors. Yes. Um, so, yes, so the, the topics are very closely intertwined. So, Andy, what this series uh, of podcasts that I'm recording has ended up being about is how each of us takes personal responsibility. Mm. You know, it's ended up being about how we, how each of us in the times we're in can lead us forward and, and that it's up to us to create now the culture and the society that we want to and we can only do that together. So I wonder what you see that each of us and each of everybody listening as individuals can do to help us create the kind of society or culture that we might need as we move beyond the crisis we're in now. And be sure there's going to be more crises <laughs> as well. <laughs> Definitely. Well, so it's a huge question, which is probably why you need a podcast series to, to, <laughs> to explore it. I do. Um, so uh, in in terms of brevity and, and answering and just focusing on one area, I think that there's a phrase I have used for many years. It must be one of the earliest phrases I introduced to my talks and writing that I still pull out on occasion. And I think it's highly relevant to this one. And that is take yourself out of the equation. Mm. And I I initially used that to talk about when you're at a networking event and someone's talking to you, don't worry about why it's relevant to you. Just listen and think about why it's important to them or how it might be relevant to other people in your network. But actually take yourself out of the equation, I think is uh, it works as a way of how we can get together to solve these crises. If we take some of the biggest crises that are facing the world at the moment, I think our biggest challenge is people don't take themselves out of the equation. You, you take the relationships between... I, I've been reading a lot about the, the, the history of, of post-Cold War um, relationships with Russia and the US, and there's a lot of different perspectives on this, but everyone sees... Everyone in the West is taught that Putin and the Russians, every, evil intentions, and they want to recreate the Soviet Union and so forth. But if you take the Western perspective out of the equation and you look from the Russian perspective... Uh, there were promises made by uh, Reagan, by Thatcher, by Western leaders, by Bush senior, that NATO wouldn't expand its its borders. Um, and that's what 
Putin is is pushing against with U- Ukraine and with Belarus and all of these things. A lot of it is about NATO expansion. But because we're in the West, we don't see that. And, and by the way, I don't have a horse in the race. I'm just offer, offering a different perspective and trying to understand the different perspective. Climate change, the biggest, uh, the, the drivers of the opposition to climate change seem to be funded a lot by the energy industry mm. because they won't take themselves out of the equation. It's in their interest to, to, to retain coal, to retain oil. So I, I think if you look at a lot of the big challenges, and I'm aware I, I normally don't get this political in a business podcast, and, and actually I'm trying to do so not from a an activist perspective. I'm trying to look at it as a curious person and understand the different perspectives. And I just think in all of these cases, in all of the challenges facing the world, you could normally find someone who is driven by self-interest who is stopping progress. And we start shifting that at an individual level. Interesting, because in in mediation, we say, you know, don't focus on the people, focus on on the problem. Mm. And very much we try and explore, you know, what's the problem itself? Let's define the problem. And then together, let's rethink how we tackle that problem. And, And you're right, everybody looking at a problem looks at it from their own perspective you know you've got this classic you know i'm standing here i can see a six drawn on the pavement you're standing there you see a nine but we're all like that and unless i can look and go i can see why you can see a nine you can see why i can see a six we can't begin to tackle the problem because all we're doing is go why can't you see the six you go why can't you see the nine you know it's like we just never get beyond that bit (laughs) Yeah, Paul Paul McGee, uh, author of of the Sumo book and various others, um, and I know you know Paul, uh, Paul has, he uses a beach ball. Yeah, yeah. And he holds up a beach ball and he says, what colours can you see? And of course, the three colours you can see are different to the three that Paul can see. Uh, And I think that, like the six and nine, are great analogies uh, for it. So, yeah, it does fit with the mediation approach uh, very strongly. But yeah, I mean, that was a big question you asked me, and I think in trying... In trying to get to answer that in 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 a, a brief period of time, that take yourself out of the equation. If we could start from that point, yeah, I think that would have a huge impact on yeah. on a lot of the problems that we face. I've got I've got that as the problem title to this podcast. Um, <laughs> well, I, say that. I like that. So if you if we if we if we wind up now, Andy, which we must, what would your what would your one piece of sort of advice to everybody be from from your perspective? Well, if you wrap up everything that we've talked about into one package, mm-hmm. I, I think you know I talked about building on the relationship conversations, not just the transactional conversations, getting away from that agenda-driven world. Um, talked about being more open to sharing and the importance of vulnerability and the importance of asking for help and then taking yourself out of the equation. I think my, my, my one tip was to be, would be to have more rounded conversations with people, uh, show a genuine interest in others, uh, not just what's on the agenda that's in front of you. Um, listen differently yeah try and understand where the other person is coming from take yourself Mm -hmm. out of the equation and you'll have better conversations and if you have better conversations you'll build better relationships and if you build better relationships you'll have a network that's there to support you in whatever way you need it and they'll they'll enjoy doing so 
Fantastic, Andy. I love the idea we're going to enjoy it, better relationships and listen differently. That's my takeaway. Thank you. Uh, Andy, if people want to contact you to find resources and particularly your two books, which are Just Ask and the second one is called Connected, Connected Leadership. Leadership. Yeah, there are five actually, but those oh. are the last two. <laughs> okay, well, uh, tell us how people can find you and all your resources. Yeah, the, the best of having a surname like mine is if you can spell it, you can find me. Uh, so it's Andy Laparta. You're unique. The ATA and it's laparta.co.uk. I'm just, I, I, I'm just quickly checking. It's a link tr.ee. So it's linktree. Uh, it's linktr.ee uh, forward slash Andy Laparta. That has my links on it. Okay. Could you just say that again, Andy? Because you, you, um, Did you get that okay? No, it faded out a bit there. So I think oh, if you just repeat I'll, your contact information, it, it I, did, froze. I didn't get it from this end. Yeah, you froze, but we'll edit that bit out yeah, and yeah. bring that back in again. Right. I, I'll go, I'll go from the beauty of my name and then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like the beauty of having a name like mine is that if you can, uh, <laughs> it's findable on all the main platforms. Uh, but if you go to Linktree, so it's Link. P R L I N K T R dot E E forward slash Andy Lapata L O P A T A. You'll have all of my key links listed there. Okay, thank you. We'll put that in the show notes for anybody who didn't manage to 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 catch that. Uh, Andy Lapata, thank you. It's been such a fascinating conversation. We've covered so much, and as you say, there's a big topic there to continue exploring, which we can continue exploring over coffee, I hope, and uh, and that others can as well. Thank you, Andy. Absolutely. Or lunch. Yes. Quite <laughs> that would be wonderful. Thank, Thank you, Jane. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please do subscribe to the Barefoot Mediator podcast series and if you would like to access my free video series for managing in times of change, challenge and crisis and download a PDF copy of my book, How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom, please go to janegunncouk slash video. The link is in the show notes. <laughs>